Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? Or in the case of today, we're interviewing who? I'm your host Dana, or the DHK as I'm known, and today my guest is director Debbie Lum. She is a documentarian who has a new film out called Try Harder, and Try Harder takes place at Lowell High School in San Francisco. It's one of the best public schools in the country. It's highly competitive. The population is also about 70% Asian American, and it follows a bunch of high school seniors during their college applications process, and it is possibly one of the most stressful films I've seen in a very long time. I saw it back at Sundance and it's just stuck in my brain since. So without further ado, here's Debbie Lum for Try Harder. I would love to start off with, what was your favorite subject in high school and what subject did you struggle with the most? <laughs> oh my gosh, that is, I, you know, I'll have to admit in high school, I was a nerd. I was like the original nerd because I went to high school a long time ago, but that means math was like my subject. Oddly enough, like I'm a filmmaker and I can't add anymore. <laughs> when I was in high school, I was really good at math. You didn't have to do like feet what calculations else? for film because I remember having to do that and being like, I, I couldn't do this. I can't do this. <laughs> like, yeah, it's so funny. I, I can't do math anymore, but I could do when I was in high school. And my I think my probably my hardest subject would be anything that had to do with speaking in public. <laughs> What a career you've chosen. Isn't that funny? Employ none of the skills you were really good at, but you. But we develop, you know, as we as we age and we develop different sets of skills. So, so I am obsessed and fascinated with the production of this film. I would love if you'd be willing to walk through the first germination of an idea you had in your head. I know it started out as a different sort of theme documentary thing about like tiger moms, and then it evolved into this. So, at what point were you like, "This is the film I actually need to be making right now"? Yeah, we were researching this tiger mother story and it was actually the year before that we filmed. So we were interviewing all these kids, asking them about their parents. And, and sort of towards the end of the school year, we were, we were like, these kids are the story. Mm -hmm. They're so interesting. And so um, we just quickly did a lot of communicating with the school and the students and the teachers to see whether we could pivot and then spend the next year just living there <laughs> for the full last year of their high school as they tried to get into college. And I mean, I think I think it kind of became clear when, you know, it's like they they were so candid and also so like surprising. The interviews that we did the year before when they were still juniors were actually mm -hmm. really surprising because I thought that maybe they I don't know what to think. I didn't know what to think, actually. I, I didn't I didn't know them, you know, and yeah. I, I had really seen it through the lens of how we see it from the outside is whether you're a parent or you're like reading about the headlines and the kids are supposed to be super competitive and like ruthless and all of those stereotypes. But like reality was that they were just kind of trying really hard <laughs> being teenagers. And I think the really interesting thing um, for me as a filmmaker who's always told Asian American stories was like how open they were um, and how in a way I, I, I kind of was in a, in a sort of way that was probably in defiance of like their even their parents. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm half. So I grew up with a heavy tiger mom ish, tiger ish mom. <laughs> and so I know what you mean where it's like, it's 
we're not as open with our personal stories, right? As I found, because we weren't raised, I wasn't raised that way, right? It's like, no, sweep it on the rug. Like you don't want other people judging you, even though your family will judge you very harshly themselves and make it very clear to you, which is probably your your first documentary idea there. Yeah. Isn't that, that's, I mean, that's so, that's such a stamp of, of like in our community. Right. And I learned all of these really crazy things probably that year before stories that we'd hear from the students about this kind of other world that they had in high school, where on the one hand, high school at Lowell was super stressful, super high pressure, but at the same time, in a way, it was free from their parental pressure. And, you know, at least temporarily, I mean, they would get text messages all the time from their parents while they're in school, (laughs) but they could, you know, make a choice, you know? Yeah. And the, you know, I, that, you know, certainly contributed to choosing to make the story when I heard kids say like, oh, you know what? I got in to this school that I don't want to go to. But so I told my parents I didn't get in so they wouldn't make me. I'm impressed they got away with that. (laughs) You know, that the parents weren't like rifling through maybe the days of, I guess it's all probably by email now, you know, but like when the big envelope or the little envelope came, your parents knew (laughs) you couldn't hide it. There were definitely the flip side of that where kids would tell us, oh, you know, my mom went onto my Facebook page and broke up with my boyfriend or my parents. So, you know, I mean, um, you know, one of our characters, whose mom did that with his college applications. That wasn't the, you know, that wasn't the most shocking one that we heard of. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. And we're back. I'm about to go back to representation in a moment because I have a million questions on it. But in terms of, you know, you met with them their junior year and I'm always so impressed with documentarians because most of the time you don't know where the story is going to go. So I'm curious, are there any of the storylines that as a byproduct of like the end result of their school year, you were like, oh, actually in context now this makes sense and and you added more of them to the film? Or is there anyone who you're like, oh, I actually think we might need to remove them or dial back their presence in the film? Or was it just like, we know these are our heroes, we're sticking with them the entire year, (laughs) you know, acceptance or not? (laughs) That's a good question. We shot a lot of footage and you know besides the main five kids we had a whole chorus of kids Mm -hmm. some of those kids in the chorus we followed more intensely also and there were students who were you know people sometimes ask me like what about the kids who weren't the top 10 percent of maybe of Lowell or grades wise and and going for these super super high elite schools when actually most everyone was everyone pretty much threw their name in in the hat but there were kids who were you know, like a girl who, you know, she just like wore braces, super friendly, all American, Chinese American girl who I found out actually had only been in the country for like five years or four years. And she was getting her citizenship the year of her senior year. Mm -hmm. And she wasn't going for a super top school, but she was already like fully employed as like a dental hygienist. I mean, she's like brilliant, you know, I mean, like a... (laughs) 17-year-old. I mean, it was like, and this is like the classic Lowell thing. And she's like, well, you know, I'm not a very good student. And I'm not like the Lowell student because I'm not. And we had kids, you know, we had a lot of students like that who just didn't quite, the, weaving their story into the narrative mm-hmm. would have required a doc series, you know, where you could just go down a path and meander a little bit. So there were things like that. And, you know, I think we would have included more kids if we could have, you know. Was there anyone who was sort of reticent to be heavily involved in the process and then kind of became like a superstar? <laughs> oh, interesting. 
We had the opposite. We actually had, a, you know, students who we like really wanted to film and then it got too intense just in terms of like applying to college and, the, sure. and you know, which actually I thought there would have been more of that pressure. And again, another reason why we chose to do it is that there was this real palpable sense that the kids wanted their stories to be told. And so the student who like, um, I, I thought there would be more students that would maybe find the pressure of co- applying to college and the pressure from their parents would become too much. So they would, you know, in other words, I wasn't surprised when that one student did drop out. Sure. Even though I was really sad when she did. Oh. <laughs> right. like, you know, and she was really the only one who, who of, of the kids that we were following who changed her mind. Yeah. Wow. Impressive. So I want to go back to representation. Do you remember the first time or have you ever felt represented on screen? Oh my gosh. You mean when I see um, something that feels like it represents who I am? Yeah. And and I I like to leave it a little open to interpretation. You know, it doesn't mean like they have to look exactly like you, but maybe, you know, be it culturally or whatever it is. Like, have you felt represented on screen? Uh, For the most part, no, actually. And that's sort of why I've made chosen to always make films about the Asian American experience because I do distinctly remember I I am an I'm an old lady and I remember when I was about 13 and I saw Renee Tajima's Peñas uh, who killed Vincent Chin on public television in St. Louis Missouri where I grew up I didn't grow up here I, I just happened to be on flipping channels and then I saw the story and I was like what is this and I, I distinctly remember going, I've never, ever seen an Asian American person on television before this moment. And I also distinctly remember like after going off to, after graduating from college and spending some traveling and going to Taiwan and seeing a Taiwanese story set in like the 40s. In other words, it was not a period martial arts film of Asian Americans. (laughs) Sure, yeah. (laughs) And I was, and I was like about, I was probably in my twenties, like 21 maybe. And I remember thinking, oh, this is the first time I've seen anything that closely resembles maybe what my parents might have gone through, you know, a sort of like, a, in other words, a contemporary story about my own family history. Right. And really now I feel like Kids today, they have them. They have that, or they have at least a couple of examples. Right? Yeah, it's it's a growing number. I I would say we could try harder. <laughs> Let's try harder. Uh, yeah, not us, them. I think <laughs> ours that allow those those um, representations, right? Yeah. So similarly, do you find that you're able to disconnect when you watch movie and TV shows? Because I find that usually I'm sitting there and I, you know, I do think we've made a lot of progress in terms of diverse casting, but a lot of the times that actually means like black and white, honestly. And so I'll sit there and be like, is there an Asian in this? And it gets really distracting for me and it's not fun, but I don't always able to turn it off. Do you have that experience as well? Or is it something that you're able to sort of disconnect from? Yeah, I think we live in a very we have dual identities or multiple identities, you know, as Asian Americans and that you're kind of always going, you kind of walk, you know, shifting, I guess it's that code switching thing between Mm -hmm. being seen and being invisible or being invisible and trying to relate. Yeah. (laughs) Better way to put it because usually we're not seen. Um, I mean, I think even if Asian American characters are seen, are represented in film and television 
it tends to be on the wings, you know, as mm-hmm. a supporting character kind of on the side, on the sidelines and never centered as if, you know, because if you're a minority, you're not as, I don't know, you're not as marketable. You're not as human as the other person. I don't know. Yeah. Right. Isn't the same, it, but, but I, I don't know. I don't, I think I'm used to, um, I mean, I remember also, this is really dating me, but 16 candles. <laughs> Do you know that? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Which everyone always focuses on the racist porn representation of the foreign exchange. But I just remember looking at Molly Ringwald and going, wow, from a profile, she kind of has like an Asian profile. (laughs) (laughs) I distinctly remember that too as a kid. I guess that's like searching for, you know, for what you can, what you can get. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to my question about like feeling represented on screen because I, I wouldn't pick Molly Ringwald for me, but you know, there are characters who we do feel, you know, you describe yourself as a nerd. I'm a hardcore nerd as well. And so, you know, even if somebody doesn't look like me, there have definitely been characters who I'm like, I really, I get that character. They just look like everyone well, else. <laughs> and the other thing too, for me, it's like, I, I find the whole argument that, I mean, I've heard this many times. I have to write proposals for the work that I do. And it's like, well, what about your story is universal? Because you're centering, you know, you're talking about a kind of issue that's very true to your community and your community is, is so small or, or something. And I just, I feel like all of us, I mean, that is the power of, of cinema is that you walk in another person's shoes and, and they don't look like you and they aren't you. And they have a, you know, like they come from maybe it's a historical piece or they're, or they're like space aliens. <laughs> they're not even human beings and you can still identify with them. Right. And it really, there's nothing logical it's not really, it doesn't have to do with a solid argument. It's really about um, who's allowed to tell the story. Yeah, it's a, I, I find it to be a construct, right? Of like, yeah, well, why is it your community? It's like, well, it's, it's everywhere. Which is why I think high school in America, at least, there are fewer universal shared experiences amongst youth, adults, whatever. You know, most of us went to high school. And so seeing something like Try Harder, I think, was so stressful to watch because I was like, I flashed back so hard to you know, my experience, and I'm sure people watching it will flash back so hard to whatever their experiences were, even if they weren't as competitive or as impacted by their socioeconomic background. Or Anyway, this leads me to a very light question of, do you think you would survive the college admissions process now? After watching this, I don't think I would. Definitely not. I would not have been able to get into college <laughs> by today's standards. Yeah. So brutal today. Did you find while making it that you wanted to tell people to relax or obviously you need to sort of stay out of it, but just as a human, you know, watching people go through this experience. (laughs) Yeah, it was very, I mean, well, we, we really had to be, you know, we tried to be flies on the wall, right? but we always wanted to give everyone a big hug and, and tell them it's going to be okay Yeah, as we were watching them. And Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm kind of interested in, I, I, I like my last film too. It's like I've been interested in people that are that tend to be kind of obsessive compulsive, <laughs> which makes you know the Lowell student prime material yep. right there. So as a filmmaker, I can kind of relate to it. But the it's so excessive today. You know, the, it, it's not like I, I think people. It's universal that you always want to. You have a goal. You want to achieve it. Trying hard is universal from Mm -hmm. all throughout the ages but it's the added layer of people going to the extreme like they do today 
that is what is so hard to watch. You know? Yeah. I definitely was, you know, wanted to tell them all, like, don't apply to like 25 colleges, you know? <laughs> yeah. This actually leads me to a question. How do you define personal success now? And how has that changed from when you were younger? Oh my gosh. You know, I've, I have always wanted to make films and, and to be able to have a film that that is sort of true to the, you know, tr- true to the community that I'm coming from and the stories that I want to tell and to be able to have made films that get out there is in itself is like a, a huge, um, it's like, it's kind of surprising to me from the way that I grew up, you know, because I just actually wasn't, I don't know how to explain it because I feel like the audiences are catching up to what I've always wanted to do in terms of filmmaking, Mm -hmm. but it's the filmmaking itself that makes me happy. You know, like the, it's like the process of making the film and, and the, if you feel good about the film or the piece of art that you make, that is the actual reward. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's sort of like the whole thing with college, you know, once you get to the college, it doesn't matter what, what the name of the school is, whether it's part of, a prestigious Ivy League or not, it's like whether those four years of your life are going to be meaningful right. and enjoyable, have everything to do with whether that was a success for you or not, right? And it's kind of the same thing, like with anything, right? If you yeah. really enjoy it, then it's not very successful. You, you know, it does, that's not the definition of success. Did you find yourself more falling into the category of like sort of the competitive, like must be top ranked or much weight, whatever when you were younger? Or were you always more Zen about this type of thing? I am a total Pisces and kind of flaky. And uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, so I had like an anti-tiger parent because oh. yeah, she kind of wanted us all to be artists. And oh. I did the thing that our my mom wanted us to do. Um, whereas my sister, one of who's like one is a surgeon and the other is a chemist, <laughs> they were like more like off on their own doing their own thing, you know. And so that was their form of rebellion, becoming most Asian parents' dream job. I know. So it was a different time, you know. It was, yeah, that's wow. I mean, we were in a generation of like laissez-faire parenting, where like the parents had no idea what the kids were doing, for the most part. You know? Yeah. I'm kind of the end, the tail end of that. But I, one of my questions was going to be, how did or do you describe what you do to your parents? And then how do they in turn describe what you do for to, like to other people? But it sounds like they may have an understanding of filmmaking and art and all that stuff. Well, and I'm, I'm because I'm, my, my family has been in America for five or six generations. Mm-hmm. And my parents were the ones who rebelled against their parents who were more traditional in terms of their upbringing. So by the time I was a kid, young kid, they were they were pretty daring I think as 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 parents and uh, and these are the, that's the consequence you have <laughs> changing gears aggressively, but do you remember the first film you saw in theaters that you were the reason behind going to see it as opposed to being sort of dragged along or, you know, tagging along on a family outing or something? You see, that's the thing about my weird film education is that my uh, father used to take me to the craziest films that you would take a young child to do. <laughs> and so I saw so many films that it's kind of a blur, like which ones I enjoyed and, and why I went there on my own. 
because you know like we saw we saw Akira Kurosawa's run in, in the theaters when I was like 10 and just weird things like Picnic at Hanging Rock, which is like a <laughs> kind of a horror story. Yeah. And, you know, of course the Star Wars generation and like, I remember, you know, it's like wildly inappropriate movies that you shouldn't be taking young children to. So that I, I think I'd have to say probably maybe E.T. Okay. <laughs> That's which is a not relatively rep- wholesome, but secretly horror story. <laughs> like, it's not representative of like a of of like um an active choice. It's more like oh, that was very different from what I would normally go to see. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It's it's like a, huh. We should see. We could try that. You know, you know, not necessarily like I have to see E. T. <laughs> like, well, you know, it's like I could I could I think you could get into that that theater without a parent. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, many a time. She's like, one for E.T., please. (laughs) All right, well, I will end on hopefully an easy question. What superlative did you get in high school or would you have gotten? Oh, my God. (laughs) Quietest, maybe. Okay. Um, I was super quiet when I was in high school. And I I think I really liked to sew clothes when I was young. Like I was kind of really into, uh, I was kind of crafty, you know. Okay. And I, I, I think that was one of the superlatives that was like in the yearbook or something. Craftiest? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, something to do with like clothes. And Do you think there's one you wish you would have gotten? I think I would have wished that, I mean, I, I, I uh, not in high school. I really always tried to avoid the spotlight when I was a kid because it was kind of dangerous. <laughs> the public speaking, I get that. Yeah, I'm sensing a theme. <laughs> I know it's just the most um, the strangest thing that I make films because uh, I used to totally avoid. I, I think it's one of those things where it's like um, it's just like a knee jerk response that you don't want to get, you know, from early childhood trauma. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Congratulations on the film. A huge thank you to Debbie Lum. Try Harder is out in theaters now and will be available digitally on December 24th, 2021. If you like this episode, we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.